Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. Please turn to your Bibles, to the last chapter, 2 Peter, verse 14. We will read the Word of God here this morning. Check, my check. Check, check, my check. My check, my check. All right. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14. So if we could all stand for the reading of God's word for those that are able. And it goes as follows. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. Today's sermon title is called Exhortations, Endorsements, and Warnings. And this is the last part of Second Peter, and we are concluding this book. We've gone through the books of the Bible here at this church and we are concluding here Peter's final words to the church. Now, Peter is well aware of his fate. He's well aware that he will be persecuted and murdered at the hands of Nero. So in his final words to the church, the Christians scattered in exile, they were scattered out there throughout Asia Minor. These are his words to the church. So these words are for you today. The final words of Peter are here to exhort you all, to uplift you, to encourage you in the things of God. But as we were singing this morning, and we pick songs that um, elevates the Lord, not elevate ourselves. Uh, we pick songs that will uplift Jesus, our Lord and our King. So we were singing these songs here this morning, but we have to kind of like we do communion today and we do communion uh, on the first Sunday of every month. And I really want all of our worship to smell good to God. Amen. It should be a sweet aroma to God. It should be a foul smell to God. This weekend we went on a camping trip and uh, Sarah and Benny, you guys did a tremendous job of organizing it. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And so... Um, the kids all went and they jumped in the lake and they were jumping off cliffs and um, the 14-year-olds were acting like 7-year-olds and, and uh, the 20-year-olds were acting like 10-year-olds. So it was pretty, really cool to see uh, the kids come out of all of them. I mean, they were jumping off cliffs, I mean, really high cliffs, you know, and um, there was a, a Tiandra who had us waiting for like 15 minutes for her to jump off the, this cliff, you know, and she just finally 
jumped off the cliff and just went for it, right? So, uh, but afterwards, uh, you can smell the water later on when they're all around camp. Those it didn't take shower, it didn't take the four, $4. You can smell them around camp, all right? And then going home, you can really smell uh, a couple of them driving home, but they smell like the fish water, you know, you smell. But listen, listen, we want our praise to be a glorious smell unto God. Now, if your praise isn't and you are still living in sin, still doing things that you shouldn't be doing and you're worshiping God and you go back and do those things, continue, well, then your worship really is sort of foul. Can I be truthful? Can I tell the truth here this morning? It needs to be a sweet smelling fragrance unto God, your worship unto God. So here, before Peter's final exit, and Peter is leaving, and Peter knows his fate, he's going to be with Jesus, he's no, he knows he's going to die, finally he's going to exhort you, so let's go to the text of scripture, verse 14. Verse 14, these are Peter's final words, and they are to remind us all to live with honor, to live with honor and be irreproachable meaning to be faultless, to be blameless, that nobody could criticize you for your walk with God, that you are really truly walking with God. He says, therefore, there's that word, therefore. You always uh, ask, what is that? What is the therefore, therefore? And so because of all the other things you read from yesterday and all the weeks, finally you come to the therefore part. Beloved, who's the beloved of God? Who's the beloved of God? It's you, those who are saved. You are the beloved of God. You are beloved. You are loved of God. Now, here's the thing we need to understand. This is a great thing we need to, we need to really understand here because when you say you're beloved of God, that we know that you are saved. You, you, you love the Lord. The Lord knows you. He saved you, redeemed you, justified you. You belong to God. And so there's another kind of love that the love has for the world. It's common love that... The rain falls on the just and the unjust. This weekend, I will talk about this weekend because it was one of the great times I've had in my life. I don't do camping, but I went this weekend. I had a wonderful time camping. It was great, especially when the rain started to fall. And you're sitting there and you're listening to us worship God, read the word of God, and it's raining all around us. And I'm enjoying it. But I'm sure that the other people in the other camps who probably don't know God were enjoying the rain just as well. The rain will fall on the unjust, and the rain will fall on the just. God has love for them, but he has a different type of love for those he has chosen. Different love. That love that offers salvation, the love that we know that we belong to him. And so he calls you his beloved. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, what were you waiting for? You're waiting for the coming of the Lord. We are taught, we are taught by, by Peter here that we should be waiting for the second coming waiting and waiting and anticipating the return of Christ we are waiting and knowing that great day will come but it's not going to be so great a day for those that are ungodly those that are not in Christ so we are waiting for that wonderful moment it says be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish so look at yourself today all of you are you living without spot or blemish? Are you diligent in seeking after the things of God? Are your hands clean? Are you irreproachable? Meaning, do you live an exceptional life for God? Are you living a life of honor for God? We can say over and over again, and we do say this a lot, we say we want to give all glory and honor to the Lord. 
But if we are saying that, are we living a glorious and honorable life to God? We could always say all the glory and the honor belongs to God, but do we live like it? Peter is imploring to you all to live with honor, to live with honor, to live with integrity. What is integrity? I'll just tell for the, for the kids so you are here. Integrity, I'll just break it down to you like this. Integrity is when you are in your room all by yourself and your mom and dad aren't around. And whatever you're doing, that's truly who you are. That's who you are. Now, if you're doing the right thing in your room, when mom and dad ain't around, and you're in that room, and you're doing the right things, that is integrity. Because then you, what you do in private will always come out in public. Always come out in public. So if you're at home and you're running your mouth afoul and you're at home and you're doing things you shouldn't be doing on your, on your phones and you're at home and you're watching things you shouldn't be watching and this is happening at home when you go out with your friends and you go out in the community, then your behavior comes out in public. You hear a bunch of cussing music, you'll start cussing too. So he says, live without spots or blemish us more mature Christians. We know better. We know how we should live because we know that we are the examples that the kids will see us and they watch us in everything that we do. Believe me, dads, your sons are watching you when you don't think they are watching you. They're watching you. Daughters, your moms, your daughters are watching you when you think that they're not watching you. They are watching you. And they see how you respond to a crisis. They see how you respond to things that happen in your world. They see how you respond to it. Now listen, we all get a, we all get a mulligan when we spill milk unexpectedly and the first thing out of your mouth is something you shouldn't say. Or, and you, forgive me, I didn't mean to say that. You know, it happens. But you respond in a biblical way, us being much mature Christians, we know how to respond in a biblical way. And when we do make mistakes and do something like drop something or stub our toe or jam your car or jam your, your thumb in the car and you say something you shouldn't say, then you just explain to your kid, hey, look, it's just something that happens. I'm still in the flesh. You know, with this flesh, I'm, I'm, God is working through me. I'm still being sanctified. Until one day we receive glorification and that happens when we die. That happens when we die. So we're constantly going through a process and our sanctification is a process so my challenge to you is of course the words of Peter are you living above reproach are you living irreproachable are you living without spots or blemish in your behavior and in your speech and in your speech as well then it says this and at peace and at peace not only are we we have the peace of God we have peace with God. There's a difference. Those that don't know God are at war with God. Those that aren't in Christ are at war with God. They don't want God. And so, but we are at peace with God. We have the peace of God because we are at absolutely at peace when crisis hits and stress hits us and anxiety hits us. We know how to deal with it because we have the peace of God. We know what to do. We know how to respond. We, we go to God in prayer when we're feeling anxiety and we're feeling sort of depressed. We know we need to go to God and we need to pray. We know that we need to go to the word and we need to read it. And then apply it to our life, which is real wisdom, is to apply it to your life. We really know how to handle these situations. And so 
Those are the things we want to teach those who are looking up to us and we need to mentor young people. Men need to mentor other young men and women need to mentor other young women. Teach them what they need to know in their lives. I'm very proud of many of you who are here. I mean, you get up in the morning and you get your kids ready and you come to church. I, when I see that, I'm so proud. But that's all God. Amen. That's all God. And we see that. And we are extremely, extremely proud of what you're doing. And if you continue that, it just brings so much. Um, God is pleased. He's very, very pleased. Because this is where every Christian should be on a Sunday morning. They should be in church hearing the word of God. And because you're hearing the word of God and you know the word of God, you should know the word of God just as much as the leaders in the church. Because if you don't know the word of God like the leaders in the church, that means you're not studying, you're not reading it for yourself, and you don't even, can't even tell if there's error being taught from here. On Monday, we, we, we taught of a very, very important, uh, very, uh, a very important lesson because it was, about, it was about tithing. And you know I never really talk about tithing here at the church or money here at the church, but with other churches, it's tremendously important because of their great facilities that they have and why they need you to continue to give to them. So they come up with different type of schemes using different scriptures to get you to give. And if you don't give, then you feel guilty. You feel like you're robbing God because you can't give. And so if you don't know the word of God, then you will not be able to catch the twisting of the scriptures. Let's continue. Verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother and also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. This is in reference to Peter speaking of Paul's letters. Now, of course, uh, this is an incredible endorsement here. First, we were exhorting you, encouraging you, telling what you need to know in your walk and your journey with God. Here at this part here, this is the endorsement. The endorsement of Peter endorsing Paul's letters because they are also written by the divine author, which is God, the Holy Spirit. So he's endorsing Paul's letters. Like he's saying, Paul's letters that come, read them too and abide by those letters just as well because... You know, and this is an amazing endorsement because here you have Peter who was rebuked by Paul. Paul actually confronted Peter and rebuked him at one point. Because he was going back into the old ways of, of dealing with uh, Judaism when trying to mix Christianity with Judaism. And Paul called him out to his face. And so this is real humility. But today, can someone endorse you in your walk with God? If someone looks at you today, mom and dad, can someone endorse you and say, that is a man and a woman of God? Where are you in your walk with God? Where are you growing in your spiritual maturity with God? Can someone really look at you and endorse you that you are in Christ? Today, I want you to reflect on that before we come up and have communion. There's times where some of us just need to sit back sometimes. There's time of us when we really are, are really not really understanding what we're doing and we need help. We need the word of God, but we also need to be um, forthright and, and confess with one another and talk about some of the things that we do. And we need to repent from those things. So God is telling us in his word that we really need to grow. Every year, every day, you've got to grow in the word of God. You should be growing. You should be getting stronger and stronger in your walk with God. So you locate your enemy, you know how he's coming, and you know when he comes up with and how he tries to use these devices and schemes to try to ruin your marriage, try to ruin relationships, 
try to ruin what's happening in your homes is with your with your parenting. The enemy is very, very crafty, and he's ever so subtle. He never wears a sign saying, here I am, I'm a demon, I'm coming to destroy your marriage. He doesn't do that. It comes in the form of someone who looks appealing, something that looks good. I told you many times that my downfall is cake. <laughs> Really, all cake. <laughs> Downfall. And though, even though I know I should not eat it, I succumb to it and then repent afterwards. <laughs> and I'm well aware of where I fall short. <laughs> so God is telling us today to be irreproachable. Irreproachable means to be beyond criticism. Criticism. You should be honorable. You should be faultless. How are you living your life? Verse 16. As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. So what is he saying here? For the young people that are here today, I'm sure that if I asked you to raise your hand, you could probably raise your hand. If I tell you, do you guys understand the Bible? Probably would raise your hand and say, I won, Ariana, believe you. But for those that don't, if I say, how many of you don't understand the Bible, would you raise your hand? You just don't get it. You just I don't understand it. It's being truthful. But there are adult Christians who would say the same thing. I kind of just don't understand. I'm just believing what he's saying. But Paul and Peter, they say some things that are very difficult even for the Christian to understand. Yeah. Very, very difficult. Here he's speaking as if the doctrine of election. The doctrine of election is very difficult for people to understand. It's a hard thing to understand. And if you don't get it, then it'll be twisted around, twisted around, so that you'll believe a God that's of your own making, yeah. not the God of the Bible. The doctrine of election, Peter, over and over through the, through the letter, you guys know we kept reading it. Chosen race, you have been elected. You have been chosen. Why are these words? Because they're very, very important. Because you have been elected. You have been chosen by God to be his people. Scripture teaches us this. Over and over again, you'll find through Scripture. If you read Romans 9, you guys will be blown away if you read Romans 9. You'll be like, God really is like this. God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And so there are some very hard scriptures to understand. We're letting you know this up front. We're letting you know. Peter's writing to you. I'm interpreting the scripture. It's very hard for many to understand to say, why was I chosen and my neighbor was not? I don't understand. But when you read the word of God and you understand who God is, and how holy he is, and he's sovereign over all things. He uses them for his glory, even tragedies, yeah. like the shootings. Tragedies. He uses those evil things. He's not, he's not the response, he's not responsible for that. That comes from the evil that's in the hearts of men. Right. They do these things. Right. But through it all, God allows it because it eventually brings him glory. There'll be pastors preaching at these funerals. And I hope that they preach these funerals, they preach the gospel at these funerals and talk about Jesus at these funerals. 
and not just talk about these things that don't make any sense just to make you feel better. The thing that is most important is the people need to know the truth that their soul is at stake. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that they may come to know him and be saved. There's copycats everywhere. Walking into Walmart and shooting a bunch of Latinos. Copycats everywhere. But we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be afraid. Let's continue. The endorsements can one look at you and say, you're a Christian. Brother, I believe I see Jesus in your life because of how you hold yourself. But these are very, very hard texts to cover. And when you don't understand it, especially a pastor who doesn't understand it, will twist it around because he thinks you're not reading. He thinks you don't know anything. That you have to go to school to understand. No, you don't. You should be able to understand and read. You should be able to understand what the scripture is teaching. There's plenty of leaders in the church that are willing to disciple you and help you and get you to understand what you need to know so that you are able to understand that they're not twisting the scriptures and Peter gives us another warning. A final warning before he dies. He warns us one last time about the pastors who are in church that are twisting scriptures so they can gratify their flesh, they can line their pockets, so they can pay their bills, and they'll fleece the people. They'll take it from you to make you feel guilty so they can live lavishly. This is what Peter had written earlier through the chapter, that they'll live lavishly. Another warning. Again, I'll read it. And he does, verse 16, and he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. The ignorant, meaning souls who are just foolish, they don't understand. The unstable, the, the, the Christian that doesn't understand, really he's new in the faith, twisting the scriptures, there's many scriptures that we can talk about that are just like misnomers. They're just really not even in the Bible. They just twist it around. There's many of them. And there's not enough time to go over some of them. That's why I like to meet on Mondays. You can tell me we can go over scriptures like, well, wait, I thought it meant this. No, it does not mean that. It does not mean that at all. Popular one, of course, I've said this before, and it's the only one I can think right now coming to my head, is Romans 8.28. People take that one totally out of context. Then there's another one. When two or three are gathered in my name. How many of you heard that? Yeah, yeah. That's another one that's twisted up and taken out of context. Does it have anything to do with numbers in the church? No. Nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with church discipline. But people will say it because there's not many people in Bible study. Well, hey, there's only, hey, how many we have? Five of us? Well, when two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus is here with us, they'll say. And you're like, amen, not realizing that that's not even what it meant. <laughs> That's not even what it meant. Verse 17. You, therefore, again, there's that word, therefore. Very important, all the other texts before it. You, therefore, meaning you, beloved, you, loved of God. Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. You are not carried away with the error of lawless people. Here, which was very important, is that there were ministers that were absolutely sleeping around with the people in the church. 
and they were doing all kind of crazy ungodly things and they didn't want to be held accountable because they were so good at what they were doing they didn't want to be held accountable and unfortunately this is still happening in the American church today lawless people twisting the scriptures and and when you go see them and you talk to them they know that you're a vulnerable person and they'll say things to you to get you all emotional and get you to be vulnerable then they take advantage of you they're lawless people so he says be careful he's ready to meet Jesus he, he knows his time is short and he dies a brutal death Nero tortures Peter and he dies a very brutal death but he has you on his mind in his final words beware he says take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability lose your own stability this isn't something where you means where you can lose your salvation if you are in Christ and Christ has you you can never jump out of his hand as my brother had said belong to him but your stability, you become a weak Christian because you're listening to a bunch of bad teaching. Yeah. And they're really good, these teachers. They're really good at speaking, Peter says. They're very gifted with their order skills. They go back and forth on stage, as I mentioned before. They'll go back and forth. They'll never even read the Bible. They just got everything right here because they're so good at what they know and what they, what, what, what's right here. That they rehearse it over and over again that you fall for it. That you are then carried away with it. You are carried away with it. There are many, as I, if you can probably look it up, there's um, five different types of false teachers, but there's many other types. One of the warnings you need to realize are the ones that teach from the Bible or they teach from the pulpit, and you never hear about Jesus. But what you do hear about is you. It's all about you. Everything in the sermon is about you. You might as well go to a a business sermon. You might as well go to a, a motivational speaking sermon or, or a, hear a speaker like that if it's all about you. But when you come to the church, you got to know that you're going to hear all about Jesus. Amen. This is what Peter is telling all of you here today. Beware of those that teach error and you may lose your own stability. You may lose the great foundation that you are building upon by listening to different other teachers like Stephen Furtick. Yeah. Many, many others like that. Very dangerous, very dangerous teachers. You have to be aware. Verse 18, it says this, but what does it say? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are constantly to grow in your knowledge of him. Don't you want to know more and more about who Jesus is? This person, his work, how are you receiving his righteousness? You should know. Why is it that you're justified? You should know. Why is it that you are redeemed people? You should know. Why is it that you have a new heart? You should know. Why is it that he went to the cross? You should know. Was Jesus perfect in his life? You should know. There's so many things that we can learn and you need to know about who Jesus is. It's just to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and our Savior. It says, finally, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. That concludes this letter. What a wonderful privilege and an honor it has been to teach this letter, to read this letter to the church. 
I pray that it strengthens you. It strengthened you and it helped you get to where you are right now. And as we go even further in reading another book of the Bible, we'll begin next week. But before we do that, I want you to take a moment in prayer. I want you to, I want you to take a moment and just analyze your life, where you are with your life, before you come to the table and to partake of the elements here. Just to kind of take a moment to reflect and to look upon your life, where you are with God. Sometimes we need to sit back, and if those that don't know and aren't saved, and you don't know if you're saved, it's okay to sit back. It's not a time for us to look around and see who's up and who's, who's coming to the table. That's none of your business. You just need to worry about your own walk with God. And for those that know, that truly know what God has done, and you're ready to partake of the elements, then, of course, you should come forth. I'm going to read this here. It says, Brothers and sisters, this table is for you who have been forgiven of your sins through faith in Jesus Christ. Do not think that you can only come forward if you are perfect because you'll never be perfect. That's why Jesus was perfect for us. Jesus alone is your perfection. So you are invited to come broken, yet hopeful, believing, yet repenting. If you are not a Christian, the bread and the cup is not something you should receive. Only those who have received Jesus should receive communion. So today, we encourage you to use this as a time to consider the offer of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus holds out to all who are willing to receive him. Place your hope in Jesus. This here is the wine with the bread. This is the grape juice with the bread. We're going to begin over here and then finally in the middle and then over here. Just hold it and we will take it corporately together. But before we do that, let's pray.